In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. This is the last Sunday of 2018. Tomorrow night is New Year's Eve. My guess is that for some of us, that hardly seems possible. The year has flown by, hasn't it? And it seems the older we get, the faster it flies. Many of you are perhaps looking forward to New Year's Eve parties. For me, author Bill Vaughn's words pretty much sums up New Year's Eve. Quote, youth is when you're allowed to stay up late on New Year's Eve. Middle age is when you are forced to. And senior age is when you're reading about it the next morning. And the vision of dropping the ball in Times Square is a nice reminder of what one did all year. Time does indeed march on, doesn't it? Our epistle for today from Paul's letter to the church in Galatia also speaks of time, but also so much more from Galatians 4, quote, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth from the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Unquote. First of all, a reminder to avoid any distraction. Although this brief passage mentions the word son six times, Paul calls us all sons of God, and he includes Jews, Greeks, slaves, and free and more importantly, male and female. Yes, the Hebrew culture was patronalistic, and the language here reflects that, but it does not elevate male over female. Men and women both are created equal in the image of God, even though the word man or son is used. And so our passage begins, but when the fullness of time had come, Christ came at the right time, the perfect time in history. God had already been at work for thousands of years, bringing about just the right conditions of Christ's birth. The prophets had testified to the Jewish people that out of David's line a Savior would be born, and of his kingdom there would be no end. Communication of the gospel and the means to spread it were established with the common Greek language and the Roman road system. But more than that, the old religions had failed. And there was a state of moral and spiritual bankruptcy, a deep longing for salvation, a power needed to conquer evil. It was then that God's hour struck, and he sent forth his son into a new age, a new year, if you will, from B.C. into A.D. The fullness of time had come. And just what is God's purpose in Christ's coming? Obviously, our salvation. But on a deeper, more intimate level, as shared in our epistle, that we might become the sons and daughters of God. That we might become the sons and daughters of God. Before Christ, all approaches to God were only elementary approaches that required the discipline and guidance of the law. However, when everything was ready for the world to come of age and to gain a mature knowledge of God, Christ came to release humankind from the law and to reveal that humankind was intended to have a family relationship with God, 
In Christ, we are no longer slaves to the law, but are now sons and daughters of God. We, as believers, are now adopted into God's family. And as family members, we are to have a personal relationship with our Father. What a great message and reminder for the beginning of this new year. Because of our faith in Jesus' redemption, we are now adopted sons and daughters of God. And as adopted children of God, we are also heirs. It is no accident that Paul would use this kind of extraordinary and unusual image to describe our family relationship to God. In Paul's world, almost all ancient religions and cultures had legal means whereby orphaned or abandoned children could be legally incorporated into a new family. Whether it was done for economic, political, relational, or emotional reasons, adoption was a well-legislated procedure. Paul speaks of adoption numerous times in the New Testament. From John 1, adoption is a status that belongs to all who receive Christ. From Romans 8, that through Christ, God loves his adopted children as he loves his only begotten son. Let me say that again. God loves his adopted children just as much as he loves his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. From Hebrews 12, as his sons and daughters, we are under God's fatherly care and discipline. From Matthew 6, as children of God, we are to pray to God as our own father. And from Matthew 5, as his children, we are to imitate his virtues. And from Ephesians 4, as adopted sons and daughters, we are to trust his fatherly love, thus reflecting the Holy Spirit that resides in each and every one of us. Can you conceive of anything more loving than the experience of adoption. Here are children, orphaned or unwanted or abandoned because of some tragic event beyond their control. A childless couple, anxious to pour their love into needy children, learn about them, see them, fall in love with them, and choose to make them part of the family with all the rights of one born into that family. They are adopted. Brothers and sisters, every Christian has passed through the same experience in one form or another. We are orphaned because of our sin, separated from the one who made us. We later became the objects of his love that would not let us go. So great was that love that Christ entered our world, lived our life, died our death, and then conquered death for us on that first Easter morning. By faith, we become his adopted sons and daughters and heirs of God. Having done all this, the eternal God, through the gift of his Son, bestows on us the blessings of reconciliation, the adoption into his family with all the rights and privileges of an heir. No wonder the scripture has us responding joyfully with the Spirit saying, Abba, Father. I hear that now, Abba, Father. <laughs> the term of endearment, Abba, means daddy in modern language. Just hearing it reminds me of the time we were traveling in Israel a few years ago. Carol and I had just finished touring a location and were waiting for the light to cross a very busy intersection in Jerusalem. When a darling two-year-old Hebrew girl 
with her father came running up beside us. And just as the light changed and we all started walking across the street, that young toddler calls out, Abba, and grasps for her father's hand. The father then lovingly swoops her up into his arms, causing her to giggle as he snuggled her tightly around his neck. Safe and sound in her daddy's arms, you could see the joys in her eyes and the love in his. What an endearing example of our Heavenly Father's love for us, picking us up in his arms, surrounding us with his love, so much so that he would die for us, and through our faith, adopting us as his and making us heirs of his eternal kingdom. When did this adoption take place? At the moment of our baptism into Christ. And for some of us at a later time, when we realized the emptiness of our life without God and turned in faith to Christ. In essence, within our broken hearts of repentance for our sins, we came to the foot of the cross in faith, trusting in Christ and committing our lives to him. Our wandering is over. The prodigal son or daughter has come home. We can now remind ourselves, my fellow brothers and sisters, especially in this coming new year, not only who we are, but whose we are. We are now adopted sons and the daughters of, as Isaiah would say, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.